I the thing is, outside of some like really horrible kind of uh, you know political gender you know gender political stuff, like I just find this film really boring more than anything else. Yep. Like something um, which afflicts its sequel even more. Well, it's yeah. the, the next Terminator film. I can't even really call it a sequel. Yeah. Just... Well, uh, l- allow us to elucidate on what drives us nuts. Yeah. We've got I an mean, itemized it, it, list. It's, it's absolutely a terrible film. It's just I I feel apathetic towards it more than angry, if that makes sense. Uh, well, as a very wise Terminator once said, anger is better than despair. <laughs> now I am an armchair psychologist. They goggles, they do nothing. <sighs> you guys ready? Yeah. Yes. Digital Drift recorded Wednesday, 29th of April. Twin that. Digital Drift seven that. Digital Drift number seventy recorded Wednesday, 29th. <laughs> I've got twenty nine R D because I changed third. Digital Drift number seven number. Not off to a good start, am I? <laughs> oh, brilliant. Let me go back in time. <laughs> Metal cage that wasn't there before. Digital Drift episode 72, recorded Wednesday 29th of April 2015, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. The life you know, all the stuff you take for granted, it's not going to last. Imagine a world of permanent darkness. Where machines control man's destiny. Imagine you were the only one who could stop it. But before you do, something terrible has to happen. Something terrible called Terminator 3. All military systems have been infected. This can't be happening. It is. John Connor was here. Where is he? Not in this movie. Are you going to kill me? I might. My mission is to protect you. From the inflatable boobs. Oh, God. She's coming. After tasting John's blood. TX, can you find a way to destroy her? Dismal box office should help. TX has corrupted my system. TX is a metaphor for bad writing. The machines are starting to take over. Hollywood, am I right? Desire is irrelevant. I am a machine. One of the most important sci-fi action movies ever, which is also the sequel to one of the most influential science fiction movies ever, gets an utterly wretched, pointless, horrible, gluttonous cash grab of a sequel and manages to send this series from two of my all-time favourite movies to one of my bottom ten most hated. If you quite like this movie and it doesn't bother you, you may like to listen on and hear why I just plain despise it. If you think it's a pile of wank, you're in good company. Sharon Shaw, my wife and co-host, has joined me once again, and this time to join me in raging. Good evening. And we're very happy to welcome back Mr. Joshua Garrity of Cane and Rinse. Hello there. Hello, Josh. How best to crystallise this before I launch into an itemised list of everything wrong with this film, which, by the way, is everything. To boil it down, if you're going to follow 
The Terminator. You go big and expand the story, make it more accessible, and a brilliant movie in its own right, maybe even transcending genres as you do so, and focusing on the fine performances from the talented cast and the incredible effects you are now capable of with a budget that allows you to recruit the best. You take your internal world seriously, but you go lighter with the dialogue to stop the whole thing getting too navel-gazing. By turns, let me lay down what not to do for a follow-up. Waiting 12 years is fine. All series that hit a peak need time to rest. You don't have to get Linda Hamilton back. Of course, if you write a really great script and give Sarah Connor plenty to do, she'll say yes. And why would you not want to do that? Instead, they pretty much wrote her into a corner and then killed her halfway through, and she went, ah, no. Similarly, you don't have to get Eddie Furlong. If he's too strung out on substances, then of course, recasting is required. If James Cameron isn't available because he's under the sea, that's fine. Bill Wisher would probably love to write the script, but you don't have to be slavish to the original crew. New Decade, New Millennium, New Terminator, right? Just as long as you know your shit regarding what's already happened, if you're going to stay in that universe. And just as long as the writers and director you recruit understand strong story structure. So you get Arnold. You gift him a cool $29 million for his presence. You abide by his every whim, doling out luxury limos and more fine cigars than Cuba can produce in a year. Here's what not to do. A sloppy, embarrassing mess that ignores the central tenets of both originals whilst remaining patently intimidated by their cultural impact. The onus being on, if you can't be better than the originals, you can make your audience groan with a corny joke. Don't make what feels like an expensive Meet the Spartans of the Terminator franchise, sneering at the events of the first two for viewers you treat with patronising contempt. Because what you end up with then is a movie that can't exist in a vacuum and certainly can't get by on its own strengths as either a standalone movie, a story, a spin-off, or even a parody, as that requires it to be funny. It requires you, and I know funny is subjective, but this isn't funny. It requires you to have seen two astronomically better movies to get its feeble jokes and premise. Yet the writers, Joe Bracanto and Michael Ferris, the penmen behind Blood Fist 2, Surrogates, Catwoman, and The Net. By the way, if you want to tell the story of how Skynet was created within the internet, don't hire the writer of The Net. A.K.A. That's Not How Computers Work, Seven. These writers don't seem to understand what those two films were really about, or indeed how technology works. Director Jonathan Mosto of U571 surrogates, and Beverly Hills Body Snatchers didn't have to make a fan film fawning over the first two, but his team absolutely needed to forge ahead and craft a new direction for the Terminator franchise, just dumping us into the future war in a sequence at the end of a film that functions only as a metatextual narrative as to how the laws of movie studios will not allow a series to terminate successfully and just remain as a handful of brilliant film landmarks in history, is not breaking any new ground. Especially not when it's stapled onto the end of a sheepish, faux-comedy facsimile of Terminator 2, with none of the guts, brains, or heart. The planned sequel was scrapped and replaced with another reboot, which again 
had its sequel scrapped in favour of another reboot. It also spawned a good TV series, which was nonetheless scrapped for conflicting with the rebooted reboot. And so now, in 2015, we have a rebooted, rebooted, reboot, which already has greenlit sequels, regardless of its quality, which I anticipate will be low. This movie, Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, is worse than pointless. It should never have existed. It started a worrying trend of fatherless, bandwagon jumpers, and imbecilic junk piles unable to do anything other than slap the endoskeleton head in our faces and claim they were in any way related to two of the greatest science fiction works of all time. This is the main theme. Check out the lyrics. Embrace me, you irreplaceable you. Okay, Sharon, I think you probably need to go with the line on this one. So, you didn't like it then? No, I did not. No, I did bloody not. <laughs> okay, um, Josh, uh, I, I know this doesn't film doesn't bother you as much as it clearly bothers us. Um, we're gonna like go through a big long. You know that Cinema Sins or, or uh, the. Hang on. Yeah. You know um, everything wrong with. Usually I hate those things because they usually pick on a, a usually pretty good film and go me 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 me. But in this case, there's no me about this. Yeah. I'm angry. <laughs> Yeah, I am going to be I'm, firing logic bullets at this yeah. bastard until there's I, I, nothing left but a chunk of burning flesh. I, just, just to cl- clarify my position on the film, I, I will agree with absolutely everything you say. <laughs> I think my my go to, I, I've I've spoken to this in the past. Everyone has like a go to negative emotion. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's anger. For me, it's just it might as well not exist in my head anymore. So when I say I'm apathetic towards it, it it really means that I dislike it as much as you. It's just my response is very different. For me, it's like I've just cast it into the abyss in my own mind. It might as well doesn't exist. <laughs> it is not worthy of your scorn. Not, yeah, the, good, not the good abyss by James Cameron. The other no. abyss. <laughs> yeah. But okay. um. Okay, sorry. No, 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 it's fine, go ahead. But come on, with the, uh, was there anything on top of that? Um, j- just to say that I, uh, I I think this film is not only everything you said, um, and I'm sure Sharon's going to get into this uh, later on, but I, I find it politically kind of disgusting in a lot of areas. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm going to... I mean, aside from, the fact, says later, aside from the fact that this basically funded the Republicans because basically Schwarzenegger took his 29 million and then went and became a governor. Yeah. Oh, God. I didn't even think about that. Jesus Christ. I think yep. um, was already the governor Sharon of California said, started doing it. But... Sharon said that this film funded terrorism. I think that's a bit much. <laughs> no, I didn't. I got as far as this film funded and you filled the terrorism in. <laughs> <laughs> no, you trailed off, but you were thinking it. <laughs> Okay, um, so how does time travel work in this film? It doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. Josh, did you notice any mistakes regarding ages and years and things? Um, well, 
Uh, I I did. Uh, like it's really weird with this film because rewatching Terminator One and Terminator Two, all of that stuff really stuck in my head, mm-hmm. and and I. And I think you mentioned this in the previous podcast. I a lot of this has just gone through my brain like a sieve. Um, like I, I'm struggling to remember, even though like <laughs> I, I watched it. I'm during- so glad I wrote this down. <laughs> yeah, just it's just uh, you there it are loads of mistakes you- there. But like I, I think I think I was so baffled by some of the most glaring stuff that um, some of that slipped my mind unfortunately i think that might be the case with most people they might be like eh, it's not that bad a film because every time they walk out the cinema they fixate on the end and they've kind of forgotten all the rubbish and then when they see it again yeah. they go oh there was this bit oh there was this bit and then they've forgotten it again by the time they get to the end i'm the same i yeah. for- like looking at this list i'm like oh there was that bit in the film because yeah. it's just such a non-entity of a film yeah it is uh, okay so right um, this is the central issue which really just comes down to sloppy writing and not really knowing what the hell they're talking about Um, according to various things john says throughout the film john was targeted by the t-1000 in 1997 when he was 13 yeah now that's actually not the case it was basically according to the i think it was the original um source novel and the original source script and the original chronology of the second film john is nine to ten years old it's 1995, and obviously Terminator 2 was made during 19, like summer of 91 or something? Or? Yeah, 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 91. Yeah. Um, but like, two years before, crucially, Skynet goes online. Like, there has to be time for Miles Dyson to finish his work on the chip and for then Cyberdyne to sort of go into collaboration with the US government and the military-industrial complex and get that keyed into Skynet. Three billion human lives ended on August 29th, 1997. The survivors of the nuclear fire called the war Judgment Day. They lived only to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. So basically, T2 couldn't have happened in 1997. It literally couldn't have happened in 1997. So yeah, apparently it it was in 1997, according to the writing of this film. When he was 13, he wasn't 13, he was 9 or 10. Now, when I was a kid, I was like, that kid's not 9 or 10. (laughs) It seems more like he would have been 13. But the problem is that Sarah Connor sets that date in stone. August 29th, uh, 1997 was Judgment Day. Um, But according to, like, when they visit Sarah's grave, it's 1959 to 1997. So she died of leukemia, like, weeks after the events of this false T2. (laughs) So uh, uh, she was also diagnosed with this three years beforehand, which means that that was before... Before she went to the institution when they were living in Baja and she was fighting leukemia all the time she was in the institution and the moment she gets out she fixes judgment day and then goes uh, I die wow that's some fast working leukemia that's, there like she looked really healthy yeah I mean mentally uh, not, maybe not but physically she looked like a specimen yeah she was I mean but what was it like you, you are totally ripped Linda that's what Arnold said when she turned up in the desert. Um, so they also mentioned that they set back Judgment Day with their actions 10 years. They said that in their own words in 1997. Yet T3 is set in 2004. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> that makes no sense. They can't count. No. And John, so basically, 
like from what I've said, I don't even think this even works in continuity with Terminator 2, which is great. That's yeah. brilliant. Because that means that it's a false Terminator 2 from a false logic from, from what they've sort of like written in their heads. It's not actually keyed up with the continuity of the two films that are great. Mm. And uh, Sharon was going, well, that means that the Terminator would have had to have happened earlier. And it's like, oh, great. Then that was a false the Terminator as well. So T3 is a sequel to two films that didn't happen. And we yeah. don't know what <laughs> happened in that T2. Because this John is fucking stupid. <laughs> Because that John, Eddie Furlong's John, smart little guy. He really is good at thinking fourth dimensionally. So Sarah Connor. This John, clod. Yeah. Hi. I mean, we're going to just... You know what? Let me just go for this list, shall I? It's just a long fucking bullet-pointed list of shit. Sharon, go for it. I, I will just say, before we get into the bullet-pointed list, um, irrespective of whether or not it's in continuity with the first two Terminator films, which is clearly not, and as you say, that gives you a great out because it's, not it's even in a, an alternate timeline. Yeah, it's not, it's even, a, not even in continuity with itself. <laughs> Yes, like I said, there were various contradictions throughout the film that leave you head scratching, going, hang on, how old is John? What year is it? What does yeah. What is Skynet? Yeah. It's in the press. And I'm half internet. convinced, and this is one of the things that I have a major issue with, but we'll go into later. I'm half convinced that the only reason, the only reason that they started off with the principle that John was 13 just before the events of this imaginary T2 kicked yeah. off was so that they could have him cop off with a girl and it not be creepy and weird. Yeah. Like they weren't playing spin the bottle age nine. No, no, that was 13. It's good and healthy American practice. <sighs> Just hearing you describe all this stuff, it feels like mistakes somebody would make on the first draft of a script. Yes. That would eventually get worked out as you rewrite it, rewrite it, and fix well, all like the Nick problems. Nick Stoll might catch it and go, wait a second, this contradicts with what I've I've said. Like, you know, if I'm getting yeah. into the character, I need to know where I was ten years ago. Yeah, but... Watch what, Terminator what, 2 over and over again. But with this, it, it just feels like, oh, the first draft will do, and then nobody questioned it. Nobody <laughs> questioned nobody, it. nobody, in fact, nobody read it. They were just yeah. reading it off the page yeah. on the day. <laughs> Sod it, we'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it on the night. This is the night. Okay, right. Um, so, yeah, my first bullet point, John being attacked at 13, convenient, incompetence-created alt-universe. Good. Thank you for that one. Right, um, the first thing that I wrote was basically as soon as the Terminatrix appears, this ain't your mama's Terminator. In, in previous films, they've turned up in waste grounds, in back alleys, at truck stops, you know, men's places. <laughs> Men claimed back alleys years ago. Um, this Terminatrix just so happens to turn up in a shop window. So she's shopping already. Isn't it? Bless her heart. What a pretty girl she was. Apparently, 10,000 girls applied for this role. 10,000. And uh, Christina Loken won the role because she could walk down a corridor and turn and glare at the casting agent in a funny way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say she's a shit actress. She is a shit actress. I'm not going to say she's unconvincing as a robot. No, I am. In fact, this kind of highlights how Schwarzenegger was really kind of on the ball with Cameron directing him in the first one. He's yeah. much more robotic in the first one than he is, obviously, in the second one. He's not convincing as a robot in this third one at all. In fact, he seems like a man doing, like doing the Terminator. 
You know, like like someone does Borat. I mean, <laughs> let, let's be let's be brutally honest here. He seems like a man collecting a check. Yep. Like <laughs> he's not yes. he's not here to put in a performance. He he's here fun. to collect his millions of dollars. He's missing James Cameron, obviously, because yeah. they did have a decent camaraderie. Apparently, yeah. he he wasn't going to do this when they they proposed Terminator Three to him. He initially declined. Then um, he went. This was when he heard that uh, James Cameron and Linda Hamilton weren't having anything to do with it. Um, then he went and had a chat with James Cameron about it, and apparently Cameron said to him, no, do it, but don't take less than £30 million. <laughs> I think he took just less than £30 million plus bonuses. Oh, yeah, and a percentage of the gross. I forgot oh, about the percentage of the gross. Oh, the percentage. I think that probably nudged him over the £30 million yeah. mark. Okay. Well, good for him. Um, anyway, so, yeah, like, so she comes out of the window, and then she meets a, a woman and goes, like... I like this car. And it's like, okay, I suppose that's kind of like an interpretation of that's a nice bike. Then it would appear she murders a woman in broad nightlight in LA, like in the middle of the fucking street, right? In, like CCTV land, like police, like police should be fucking chasing her. Like she murders her with her bare hands and she's naked at the time. So that ain't going to be missed on CCTV. Oh, also, might I add, entirely unnecessarily, because where did she materialise? In a shop full of clothes. Yes. Plus, she can also make her body look like anything. Yes. She can like, she... Wear, like wear clothes, whatever she wants, you know? Well, I'm assuming, given that throughout the rest of the film, those clothes morph with her, she's not actually stolen that woman's clothes. She's just copied them. Yeah. Okay. So why not well, we... copy some clothes before you walk out of the store and walk across the street naked? Because for the lads, way, and you can see her little titties bobbing up and down. Um, then and why would it occur to her that she needed clothes later on? Bear the titties in mind, guys. We're going to be coming back to them. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, then there's the mobile phone bit. Why did this bother you, Sharon? Because it bothered the hell out right. of me, but I love the way you put it. it. Right. The reason this bothered me so much, and I mean, the, the whole, you can connect to the internet with a 2004 mobile phone simply by holding it to your electronic ear. Where do we go first? I shall take the liberty of using my modem to locate the Muppets. Indeed. Um, I, I probably would have had less of an issue with it if she we've seen her sort of little connection point come out of her finger later on. If she'd done one of those and inserted it into the base of the phone, then I that's, probably would have gone, that's actually technically sort of reasonable. That's a sonic screwdriver. It can do whatever the plot requires, by Absolutely. the way. Absolutely. Um, then she does modem noises. And a duck face. And this was my issue. She does a little pouty mouth for the modem noises to come out of. Mm. If Robert Patrick had had that capacity in T2, <laughs> do you think he would have had to do a little pouty mouth to make the modem noises? Because I doubt it. Okay, folks, let's say the police aren't chasing this naked, crazy woman who just murdered a woman in, in uh, broad nightlight and then stole her car and then left her corpse in the road. Let's say that didn't happen. The police pull her over. The guy sort of walks around and she looks at him and right, like, she knows that he's a guy. And she looks down at her boobies and she goes, right, well, those need to be a bit bigger. Boing, boing. And her boobs get bigger. Just like, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, she has a prompt. 
to be fair, this is not something that she suddenly comes up with on her own. Mm -hmm. She sees an advertising board that says something along the lines of what is sexy. Yeah. And it's a a lingerie advert. Right. Okay. If that led to a discussion where she basically, using manipulation, like conned the cop into just letting her go, you'd be like, wow, this Terminator's really good at blending in. Okay. And I kind of get the boobs thing. That was subtle. I mean, it's it's sleazy, but that was subtle. (laughs) That was not subtle. No, no, no. literally inflate right Sorry. in front of you. That's not subtle. May I amend that? The boobs thing is not subtle, but just just killing him would be very unsubtle, right? Instead, she yeah. go, looks at him, and the first thing she says, I like that gun, why make your boobs big then? If you're just going to murder a cop in broad nightlight yeah. and just like drive off and go, I got his gun, because if you just take the cop's gun, he's going to chase you. If you take the cop's gun and don't kill him, he's going to chase you. If you take the cop's gun and kill him, other cops are going to chase you. I've played that documentary game, Grand Theft Auto. They don't like it when their owner killed. They're going to chase this crazy map double murderer. It's going to happen, guys. Do you understand the meaning of the term low profile? (laughs) (laughs) Remember low profile, folks. We'll be coming back to that. (laughs) If her infiltration programming is so impressive that she can inflate her boobs at will in order to, and um, I'm sorry, this trope where an attractive woman gets pulled over and manages to get out of parking ticket or whatever by, you know... Pouting and, and flashing cleavage. They don't quite get out of a ticket. They they have to basically simulate oral sex for a, a grunting, wheezing Harvey Keitel whacking off right next to their faces. Right. Like, like Harvey Keitel was prone to do in the 90s. First off, cheers for that, not, Abel Ferreira. It's not funny. Even if it was funny, it's been done to death. Secondly, Basically, that implies that men, including trained police officers... Am I right, ladies? ...are testosterone-driven apes that can be manipulated at will. Uh, see also audiences, because yeah. this whole scene is basically, four, hey, lads, four, hey, hey, look at all this, this little bit of candy we got for you, hey, hey, you're welcome. And that if, is a very Michael Bay move. If her aim is infiltration, if she's that good at infiltration... She's not. Why does she need to murder the initial woman in order to take car and clothes? Surely yeah. if infiltration and doing things without having to massacre people was her main priority... She's leaving a fucking paper trail of bodies. Find a car and use your brain powers to unlock it. You would think. But no. And I also think that this scene has has one other purpose, which is to get her to say in a sexy voice, I like your gun. I like your gun, meaning penis. I mean, basically, yeah, I hadn't even thought about it. But basically, if she just walks along a street, you know how many parked cars are in L.A.? And we've seen, we see later on that she can basically control cars with her mind. She doesn't even have to touch them. All she has to do is get into a sporty looking number and it just looks like a woman getting into a sporty number and she can like manually disable the alarm before it even goes off. Yeah, having so, got clothes from the clothes store that she materialised yeah. in. Which is what, I mean, she can't c- control the fact that she materialised in the window. That's one thing that's a variable that she's not going to control over. But this whole sequence is moronic. Yeah. And that's just the first bit. I, I mean, I, I the the TX as it's referred to. The T-sex. Yeah. Guys. This this is a, like a classic example of a wouldn't it be cool if yes. amalgamation and not actually having a you know 
not actually thinking about how all these different elements work and yeah. serve the plot or serve characters or serve anything. The T-1000 was cool, but that was an enemy that was thought about how how it would work logistically within the plot. The T-1000 had a large body count, but even he had the sense to drag bodies into a cupboard and hide them to maintain a low profile. Bingo. The, it's just it's insect like there's so many like she has she has this uh, liquid oh, I love metal it when you get angry <laughs> she has this liquid metal skin that helps her blend in but it doesn't have any of the beneficial qualities that the T1000 is it's just so she can transform that's no like it doesn't give her the immortality of the T1000 it's just well terminator 2 did that we'll do that too because people thought that was cool it's called the TX because because apparently th this guy is obsessed with the 90s and thinks putting X on the end of everything instantly makes it cool. Also, just... <laughs> it means she's the ticks. Yeah. Oh, and that's... and just and you were talking about the whole like uh, boob inflation stuff. Like if that actually served <laughs> a purpose, if it's like if she was like this this robot that was able to perfectly mimic human behavior and her whole stick as it were was the manipulation of people and getting them to do what they she wants fine but she kills everyone she meets like she doesn't manipulate anyone it's just there so you can go for as you said alex and by it's the way do the, does one policeman chase her no they're no. all after john and his terminator buddy it's really dumb. Yep. <laughs> it's just really, it's really dumb. dumb. Right, okay. One positive about this intro scene, and it's a very tiny positive, I do actually like the way that uh, Christina Loken walks out of the window and stalks across the road. Uh-huh. So the thing she was hired for, she did pretty well in this first scene. She it's was, all downhill from here, but... She was taught by the mime artist who taught Marcel Marceau, apparently. That that doesn't mean she was uh, good at mime at anything of the rest of the film and her physical performance next to, say, uh, the chap who played the Predator or my boy Terry Notary from Planet of the Apes. Just rubbish. I, I, what, what I find really, really frustrating about this is that the underlying reason for all of this is she's legs, boobs and hair. It doesn't actually matter what else she does. Don't forget the It doesn't the matter how she... And the ass. Sorry, I forgot about the ass. It doesn't matter Never how she delivers her lines. It doesn't matter how she moves. It doesn't matter how she performs. All that matters is that she's capable of being on screen to be ogled. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, if she's trying... Like, all Terminators are meant to be infiltration units. And granted, Arnold Schwarzenegger does stand out a bit. I, I'll, 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 <laughs> Just a touch. I, I can't defend that. But, like... The T-1000 dressed up as a police officer. Mm. He tried to become part of the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. If this, if this robot really wanted to blend in, they wouldn't disguise themselves as a supermodel. They disguise themselves as a grandma walking across the street or a child or whatever. Anything that just doesn't draw attention. Do Terminator a grandma has to happen someday. <laughs> yes. But um, um, I, I think a grandpa. But uh, 
there's this um, recent horror film that's come out um, that hasn't uh, come out on DVD yet, but um, was uh, on cinema for a while. And a lot of people were praising it to high heaven, saying it was really creative, uh, called It Follows. Right. And it's about, a, it's about a monster that stalks you very, very slowly, but dresses up as all these random innocuous people in order to just blend in so you never suspect it. That That's a good idea for a Terminator movie. And that's what this character so like, has the potential to be. Like Fallen, then, the uh, Gregory Holman mm, That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking of. That's a fucking terrifying film and really quite good. And well, it's, it's not like terrifying, like, oh, my God, this could happen. But just there's a bit where this dead killer is jumping between people on the street. And, like, each person talks to a bewildered Denzel Washington in turn. It's like, oh, my God, he could be anyone. And, in fact, he is anyone. He has... Like, there's limitations, which are great, but there's this sort of real stalking presence to him. And he's yeah. playing games with Denzel Washington. Fallen. Great film, folks. Go see it. Um, right, we've got to move on. Because, yeah. Josh, you've got work. And we've got <laughs> so much to cover. This virus has infected half the civilian internet, says a tech guy. Otherwise known as the internet. <laughs> <sighs> Stupid line number, I mean, what's that, 23 out of the, the film so far? Basically, of 23, maybe the dumbest so far. Um, Ar- Arnie turns up, desert turned to glass. That's nice effect. Good, good thinking. That's because, like, you know, we've never seen, like, the, the, the sphere of energy sort of, like, go vroom like that onto a material that could crystallize into glass um, when subjected to searing heat, which, by the way, would have burned the living fuck out of Kyle Reese and the two T-101s which have real skin. So, actually, really fucking stupid. (laughs) Great touch. You didn't think about it, though, did you? Arnie wanders off into the night. And then John... cut to hell feet, we can assume. And John, who's given a really morose kind of fucking, I stay off the grid, I can't, you know... And, like, yeah, he's, like, automatically it's like, hey, remember that kid that, you know, had brains and that kid who had hope and that kid who was you know gonna really like not necessarily do something with his life but he was like he was a spark plug well that's not me all i know is that i had to do this incredible thing for humanity and then it just didn't happen so i'm kind of a failure and i'm kind of like a you know miserable guy and it's like right great so i'm on board with this guy and then he falls off his motorbike and goes and breaks into a vets and starts gobbling down phenobarbital which, by the way, folks, is anti-seizure medicine used to treat barbiturate addicts. It was also the Heaven's Gate group drug of choice in their Flavorade and vodka for their mass suicide. Did they literally just wander into a vet and start pulling pills off the shelf and, and say, there you go, Nick Stahl, just start guzzling them down. We don't care what it is. I mean, here's the thing. John would know what the fuck he was taking. John's not an idiot. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't be taking it unless he either had a barbiturate addiction or epilepsy. Yeah. No, he would be taking, for, for that situation, painkillers. He'd be having to sew himself up because he would be, uh, he'd be well-versed in fucking field medicine. Um, and uh, he would uh, basically just be doing, you know, all of that stuff you do in Snake Eater? Yeah. That. Yeah. And you have all the materials within a vet, but he's stumbling around the place being a complete knob-end. Anyway, so back to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's ladies' night, and the feeling's right, and the feeling's wrong. What the fuck? This is a Terminator film, guys. 
Seriously, he wanders into the baying crowd that may as well have been in that wonderful Eddie Furlong film, Detroit Rock City, when Eddie Furlong has to basically dance to get kiss tickets. Um, right. Uh, okay. Immediately, you suck away the threat of the Terminator. And you suck away the presence of the Terminator if he's surrounded by the ridiculous. And there is something, let's face it, faintly ridiculous about a homosexual male dancer dancing around, like like patently, obviously gay, in front of uh, a bunch of women who are all going, yeah, take it off. Right. Absolutely nothing wrong with being gay. That's fine. Absolutely nothing wrong with being a dancer. But that tone doesn't fit with this. You wouldn't put Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator in the birdcage. Yeah. The tone doesn't work. It, it's, it's a horrible, ill fit. And then immediately, he's like this repulsive stereotype. Talk to the hand, which, by the way, is like Jerry Springer here. Remember when we were saying, um, oh, actually, you weren't on for this, uh, Josh, but um, we mentioned for Treasure Planet. Go Delbert. Go Delbert. Yeah, that joke's not going to fucking date. Talk to the hand. And... Remember, folks, he hasn't sworn not to kill anyone. In fact, even if he had sworn not to kill anyone, he'd fuck that guy up, basically. <laughs> like, your clothes given to me. He's given me static. Okay, and so what actually happens is he gets the clothes off him. We don't get to see that scene. I would imagine it wasn't particularly pleasant for the dancer. He goes out into the night. He but the women are all still letching at him when he walks out, so he can't have done anything too horrible. Couldn't have been sickening. Maybe he just waited patiently while the guy took off all his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that, now that would have been keep that in just Arnie stood there catching clothes as the guy's throwing them into the crowd could it get any more awkward <laughs> this is not what we agreed upon I, I find it hilarious that we're coming up with better jokes than anything that the film comes up with because yep. that scene that could have been quite funny um, if not, you are going to make it a comedy basically yeah. I mean Terminator should not be a comedy but that would have been funny what we get throughout this film is just almost the jokes. most lazy. Well, I, I think some of them are full on anti jokes, just <laughs> making they, your guts, just all the blood swear. rush out of your liver. And they, you go, cause ah. the, they cause the anti laugh where yeah. you actually feel kind of sad and angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I mean, here's one coming up right now. He takes out the sunglasses and they're hilarious Elton John ones and he puts them on and the audience stares in disbelief while the idiots go, <laughs> and the audience who aren't laughing feel that much deader inside. Yeah. Um, I, again, tone. Tone, guys. I cannot be, I cannot, I mean, like, Find a tone and stay with it. If you're going to go with this tone for the whole film, like, like mismatching the Terminator in unusual situations, run with it. Make a Terminator parody and do it properly. But it's like it can't decide whether it wants to be a comedy or not. And the comedy it does isn't funny anyway. So then he goes into a truck and he looks up in the little flap for keys. No, he wouldn't. Because he doesn't do that until his learning chip is out. And he gets taught that by John. And that was a completely different Terminator. Something which, by the way, John doesn't understand. We'll get to that in a minute. But this is not the same Terminator. You can't do that bit where he th pulls the thing down from the thing because he doesn't work like that. Well, Because fuck you it. Could, you could argue that if um, he's been reprogrammed by Kate... Um, 
and she would have had maybe to maybe act- took the old chip out and said, she would, make, yeah, make she would have had to activate right. the learning chip to do that. She could feasibly even have pre-programmed him not to kill anybody unless it was absolutely necessary. Yeah, just wait patiently. It might have occurred to her to program into him to look under the visor to find keys before you start. But she wasn't present for that bit. But she wasn't there for that bit. I mean, maybe John with his dying breath said, make sure he gets under the flap. I die. (laughs) But... Okay, so... But it's not even the keys. It's a watch. And he looks at the watch and goes, yes, that is the correct time. It's like, what the fuck was the point of that? (laughs) Honestly. You could say that about the whole film. Yes, yes, you could. <laughs> but the, the the end sequence always leaves you on a sobering kind of oh. So you let it get away with all this shit, and I'm just that the time has come for it to not get away with all the shit anymore. So now, rather than watching it again, folks, just listen to this podcast again and be reminded of all this stuff in a way that sticks. Anyway, <clears throat> comedy burger bar execution. Remember that bit in the original Terminator when he kills that other Sarah Connor and it's like really, oh God, that's terrible. This one for some reason seems to be her, her stupid burger kid. And then this kid at the party and it's like she kills him as well. And okay, well, I get that actually does tie in with the plot. So I suppose that kind of works, but it seems like like really kind of teen focused. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like... Oh, hey, imagine chilling at a party and then some really sexy chick turns up and then she shoots you. I don't know. It's, it's, it, these are not confusing scenes or pointless scenes. I suppose they're, they're the most plot-related scenes of the whole fucking thing because she's out to kill John Connor's generals as well. Anyway. Uh, I, I, no. No? No, no. I, no. I don't buy this. No. How does a man who leads by inspiration have lieutenants how do they all come from a 20 block radius of where he lived when he was a teenager that's a fine how point how are they all so you know closely linked together that they all appear to know each other i, is I just it, is it possible that judgment day was mostly located in the los angeles area i think this one was <laughs> the, the tri-county the tri-state area you know the tri-county mm. area the, the la san francisco and i basically just uh, like you, you mentioned that like, the whole the skynet like appears to be at least in the Terminator three D the ride in LA. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Judgment Day and all that everything that came after it was some kind of really twisted dark version of the Truman Show? LA, LA just had a giant bubble put over it and all this horrible shit went down and everyone else is eating popcorn going, what is it? Wow, this is really good entertainment. Tune in next week, folks. John Connor's going to be racing around on motorbikes. (sighs) Oh, dear. Anyway, that's future John Connor in the next one, by the way. Anyway, so it's 4.30 in the morning. My vet fiancé has been called in. This is most irregular. I've never... Like, like her boyfriend, fiancé Scott, seems to be unfamiliar with what the, that, that has to happen to his other half. So, you know, remember Scott, folks, because we love Scott. He's great. Can't get enough of Scott. Anyway, so Kate Brewster turns up at the vets, takes none of John Connor's shit, shoots him in both hands with a paint, with a paint gun, and then wears the pants forever. And Kate Brewster, you know I said everything was bad about this film? She's the one ray of light, as in Claire Danes' Kate Brewster, because she basically acts like a normal human being would when put in this situation. 
Yeah. Sometimes. So, most. most they even, towards the end, they even try to take that away from her. Yeah. Uh, when he tells her, you know, I'm a super, uh, like, a, I'm a messiah who's going to be very important in the future and he's a robot, she goes like, go to hell! And they kind of, oh, okay, yeah. That's actually what a person would say when told this shit. And uh, the Terminator, by the way, you might notice, does not rip off the skin on his arm and show her that he is, in fact, an endoskeleton because budget, why bother? It's repetition. Not that that stopped them before. So the, the Terminatrix turns up, shoots a cat lady in the chest, then crouches down over her, gets some blood on her finger, and then licks it in a really sexy way. Right. See my previous comment about pouting whilst making modem noises. I'm checking the blood. Mm. Because this Terminator and no other has an onboard blood bank. Like cross-checking computer and can tell who a person is by their blood and she ha- it can only go in through the sexy mouth now i'm not i'm not coming on like uh, like super total feminist guy uh, as in like how dare I you am. depict women yeah i know you are like how <laughs> dare you depict women like that on on our screens it's demeaning i mean i am but also on the other hand it makes for a really shit viewing experience yeah so i mean like on the one hand it just ain't right and on the other hand it's fucking dull (sighs) so yeah um she's like super emotional as well like this as like she's being a robot but like her eyes are going all over the place and she's like really getting into it and then she goes around licking all the blood off the floor and then licking old tissues and it's like is this sexy or is she like a crazed hobo and then she finds john's blood and she fucking orgasms she goes <gasps> like there's pinkening of her cheeks and her pupils dilate and she's like oh that john connor blood that makes me quiver all over in my inside robot parts. Are you fucking kidding, Jonathan Mosto? You told her to do that shit. You said, oh, yeah, baby, do it again. I think we're going to need like five or six more takes of that. I'm almost there. Lick the blood again. Fucking seriously? Just explore this stuff in your own time. Please don't subject everyone else There's to your fantasies. I'm sure Lou Reeds has done an episode on it. <laughs> anyway, um, so Arnie, like, turns up. He, he rams a truck into the Terminatrix, one of the many times she gets flung about the place and seems to be fine. Um, and then he finds Kate and then lies to her doesn't say come with me if you want to live and he doesn't have to but you know it kind of seems like he should and then he sort of gets her on his shoulder and walks off and she's like you put me down mister and then he walks in and finds john and says john connor and then it's like come with me if you want to live and do you know what do you know what in the grand context of this film this is the most come with me if you want to live of all of them because the whole point is he is literally leading them to their place of safety where not only will they live, they'll be the only people who live. This is the most warranting of a come with me if you want to live. It's kind of like that bit in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when he gets out of the car and goes, Soviets. And then it's like you wait for him to go, I hate these guys. But he doesn't because um, we want to be nice and cool with the Russians, which is fine. But the point is you just seeded a line from Last Crusade with Nazis, I hate these guys, and then didn't complete it. 
It's almost like you expected us to do it or you forgot that that line existed. We're not sure. But either way, it's a really awkward moment. But here's or the more you think you're confounding expectations, which you're not. Here's the more awkward moment. When the Terminator turns up, John's like, oh, my God, it's a fucking T-101. He's come to kill me. No, because he closely bonded with the T-101. It's like the fucking Iron Giant coming back. He would actually be something along the lines of somewhat like conflicted. He would be slightly afraid, like, does this one want to kill me? But there would be hope in there, like, is it the same one? Is it a different one? Has he got his learning chip on? Can I repeat that pattern again? Can, you know, can I keep this one alive? Is he going to protect me? Like, he would be conflicted. Instead, he's like, oh my God, he's coming to kill me. Which doesn't make sense when you find out the past of this Terminator because the the John Connor of the future was killed by this Terminator yep. because he allowed it to get too close. So for this John Connor in the past not to respond in that way conflicts with the the film's own story. Like Sharon no, said already, logic, yeah. it, 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 it betrays its own logic, not just the logic of the series. It is time. Oh, it is time. It is time? Yes, I have my watch. Oh, that might be what the watch was. Just to confirm that there was X amount of hours left till Judgment Day. Here's an idea, Terminator, if that is indeed your real name. (laughs) (laughs) Come back four weeks before this shit happens. Give yourself a little elbow room. (sighs) But no, they always have to come back at exactly the same fucking time. And this is the one where it was like, like you know how in T two it's like history repeats or it rhymes and like it like they're hitting the same sort of beats but then they change things up. This one really does just feel like, oh, remember that thing happened in Terminator two? Well, we're going to do that again with a slight twist. This one really is just repetition. But the yeah. problem is, it's not remember that thing that happened in Terminator two. It's vaguely remember that thing that happened in Terminator. They might they have seen Terminator two once. Yeah. Uh, as I recall. He walks down the hall and says, John Connor, it is time. Isn't that what he says to Sarah Connor? No, Sarah Connor. That was it. She's on the floor. She's just beaten up the T-1000 with her uh, nightstick. And then he says, it is time. And then they run and they get in the tank. And then they drive off to Fort Knox. I, I think I may have turned over. The Dam Busters was also on. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> shitty CGI effects. Now, to their credit, they do attempt some practical in this but there's a lot of cg yeah and there's a lot of like a, a terminator getting hit with a rocket and flying backwards in millennial rubber and it looks like shit it looks like fucking shit by today's standards yeah so anyway tricks this is what i'm calling her now accesses the police's internet with her pointy finger and then she controls engines with her mind that's 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 not how engines work <laughs> <laughs> They're basic machines. They're not wired into the internet. Yeah. At least not yet. Not in two thousand fucking four. Two thousand yeah, two thousand four, which is when it's set. I just I uh, the to be honest, I have a problem with the concept of her technology integrating with past technology at all. Yeah. Like like you're not going to plug a USB cable into an Atari anytime soon. So how is she <laughs> capable of doing all the stuff she does? Like and. I, I mean, they they completely. It turns into a fantasy when she's controlling engines and stuff with that thing. Because oh, the pedal, yeah, oh, the pedal goes down. Yeah. Like an invisible foot is pushing on it. Yeah, 
That's not how engines work. That's not how cars work. I get that she's of a, of a greater level of tech because, like, in this version of the timeline now, Skynet happened 10 years later, so it was more advanced, so she wouldn't be as basic as the T-101. But along those lines, the T-101 probably wouldn't have existed in the first place. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, that. Like remember the digital the display in the first Terminator's, like, eight HUD? That wouldn't happen now with the 2004 Terminator. She's she's looking at things in color, and shit. Yeah, and which which kind of further lends logic to the idea that since the timeline changed, that actually led to two different Terminator one and twos. Anything yeah. with Skynet yeah. being different? So like these these aren't even in continuity with with the two that we've seen, which is great because it isolates the two good ones. So. It isolates the two fan-fucking-tastic ones from the total shit that came after. Yeah. Back to the whole you-don't-remember-me shit that John spouts at the T-101. You don't remember me. Like, he can think fourth-dimensionally. He's a smart kid. He's dealt with time travel his whole life. His whole life. He understands the difference between small and far away. Yeah, but this this is kind of indicative of how stupid they think their audience is. They think that we think. Well, hang on a second. How come the Terminator doesn't recognize him? And why was he not lowered into the steel at the end? Because it's a different one. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, we know it's a different one. <laughs> For fuck's sake. So yeah, uh, John has a really hard time. Like, he keeps going back to it, to the point where, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I expected you remembered this. To the point where, like, if the Terminator was a person, he'd go, for the last time, I'm not the same fucking guy! (laughs) He has to do it twice in the space of one conversation as well. It's like, explain it to him again, as if to a child. But why male models? (laughs) Are you serious? I just told you. (laughs) That's, it's that bit in Zoolander with David Duchovny, the long-suffering hand model, that this reminds me of. But it's not funny. It's, it's expecting the audience to be as stupid as Derek Zoolander. <sighs> the only way this would have been acceptable is if after that point, Kate had leaned down to the back of the truck and gone, right, has everybody got that? Okay, yeah. good. Let's move on. Let's, like, if Kate had been Basil Exposition, like, yes. Kate, Kate could have just said, like, out of the corner of her mouth, like, I get it. I can't believe he doesn't get it yet. <laughs> I'm a fucking outsider when I get it. From the, the scraps, the scraps that they gave me in a cave. So um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, for no reason, he's not even the Terminator. He's not even the Terminator. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Takes one of his power cores out of his belly and throws it out the window. Explodey just to show that he's going to do that again later. Oh, it was apparently ruptured and starting to degrade. Yeah. How that happened without any damage to his skin, I have no idea. Well, it was because of the nothing that happened. Like, nothing happened to him. He got, sh- he got shot in the front. But, I just, you know, the, that's inside the endoskeleton, right? Yeah. Yeah. So That means, basically, been... if Kyle had carried on shooting him with his shotgun, mm. he might have got a lucky shot in. Yeah. That's an extremely fragile and easily exploited weakness for yeah. your invincible infiltration unit to have. Not yep. only that, it's an easily exploitable weakness that it's fucking amazing nobody has exploited it before now. He's made of fucking titanium. 
probably an even more space age, like super dense metal, now that Skynet's ten years younger. Anyway, so John is angry that his Terminator is outmoded again. Oh, great. We've got last year's model. That was the same shit you were up against in T2. You knew that the T-1000 was the super-duper prototype Porsche next to this lumbering old truck. That You dealt with it, and you succeeded. But he's like, oh, they couldn't send something better back. He's a little shit, and I hate him in this. He does come out with a line that really made me go, oh, my God, I have zero investment in this person if I ever had before. Mm-hmm which is um, when he says to Kate about how he's, I mean, he's, he's kind of encoding it in know how, when, blah. Um, I had this great destiny all lined up. It's great destiny, man. But for it to fulfill itself, something <laughs> terrible would have to happen and the world would have to be destroyed. And instead of being happy that the world potentially is not going to be destroyed, and so he's not going to have to fulfil this great destiny, and could, in fact, take it upon himself to go off and fulfil some other great destiny, which the previous John Connor in the alternate ending does, yeah, I might add. totally, on the battleground of the Senate. He, he was a happy father. Sulking about the fact that three billion people aren't going to die so Johnny Connor can have his chance to shine. <laughs> Instead, I walk the land, I stay off the grid, and I walk alone. The grid doesn't want you, John. Go yeah. away. Well, look at this morose motherfucker here. Smells like somebody's shit in his cereal. Anyway, so, low profile. Remember that? Arnie goes shoplifting. Do you know what the Terminator would do? Pay for the food. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do you know what not doing that does? It gets the fucking cops on his ass. The SWAT team corner them at the fucking graveyard because he tipped them off by shoplifting sloppily for what? Pringles? Are they going to fucking die of starvation on the way to the graveyard? What the fuck was the point of that? (laughs) Again. Why did it occur to him to go and get... Wouldn't he send John in for food? You must have Pringles. (laughs) He could have at least pulled an Anton Chigurh and, like, blew up a car outside so to distract everyone while they stole stuff instead oh. of just... I just don't understand it. Like, Do you know if what you're... happened? Kate left the house with her fucking handbag. Yeah. Do you have any money? Yes. Yes, I do. $80. And then he goes and buys all the ho-hos and Jolly Ranchers in the whole shop. I mean, it, it, it's like he's trying to feed a seven-year-old... <laughs> Uh, uh, like a, a hyperactive seven-year-old, not two grown adults. Yeah. And then, like, uh, not even like. And then the cashier says, "Are you going to pay for that, buddy?" And he goes, "Talk to the hand." Oh, because that somehow, because he is like, because he's been programmed to learn. He figures, well, there you go. That's what you do when you want to steal shit. So he's got artificial stupidity. Brilliant. Okay. <clears throat> so anyway, um, oh, here we go. Uh, then there's the comedy chainsaw murder where um, Scott wakes up and the Terminatrix is there and she goes, and he goes, ah, and like blood splatters everywhere. Right? Right? Yeah. And that kind of reminded me of the very, very surgical way that the uh, T-1000 kills people. Just go, 
and then back out again. And how incredibly efficient that is and how incredibly efficient this isn't. She's butchering people. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, the previously mentioned uh, when they were at the graveyard, Sarah died apparently the same year as T2 of leukemia, but that was the false T2 and it didn't fucking happen. So, you know, neither did this film as far as we're, con- we're concerned. Um, uh, and this is the point where uh, John sort of looks up at him and goes, you know, you were the closest thing to a father I ever had. And that's the point where if he was a human... Um, the Terminator would have said, for God's sake, kid, I'm not him. But he didn't. And then she shoots him in the face and then he goes, putoy, and he and spits a bullet out just because. I mean, was that to convince Kate? Was there no better way of doing that? Was it just a wouldn't it be cool if moment? It's the latter. It's not even a movie. This is a way of converting $187 million to $430 million. That's yeah. all it is, folks. It's an equation. Like, it's a mathematical equation that a bunch of men in a boardroom mm. came up with in order to maximize the amount of money they could make out of this franchise. Like, there, there, is, there is none of the passion and love and and just intelligence that went into the first two movies. Those two movies have... A, a soul that is oh, yes. so so it, it it bleeds out of the screen and into you like you you feel its presence and here you are dealing with a hollow limping corpse of a film it's just it's uh, awkwardly funny but only in the most depressing way <laughs> possible uh, you only laugh at it because it falls over and you're like oh god why oh this is just I don't want to, and you, part of you just wants to go over there and put this corpse of a film out of its misery <laughs> because it's just, it's just in pain. It's a writhing mass of just pointlessness, and there's nothing, there's nothing there that's keeping it alive. It's just, it, it's just alive for no reason. I, I, I'm going into a, this no, no, band is right. going nowhere. It's just a. It's a swirling, a swirling vortex of negativity. <laughs> I just, I, it's just, it's a dumb movie. It's just really dumb. Yeah, it is. Um, it's imagine if like you'd seen Casino Royale, and then another film that's even better than Casino Royale, and then Octopussy or Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, you know they don't have to fit with the same genre. In fact, T one and T two are different genres. So they could have made it a comedy. Yeah. But there are better comedy James Bonds. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, yeah. Austin Powers is yeah. a comedy James Bond film in, in yeah. every sense of the word. I was going to say Evil Dead 2 is a great example mm. of something taking the, something that was really serious and then turning it into a comic, a darkly comic, but a comic film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you could have you could have done a comedy and a good one, but like that's this film doesn't know what it wants to be. It's it's just it wants I, to I, be four hundred and eighty five million dollars. Well, it only succeeded four hundred and thirty. I'm happy to say. Oh, okay, I, sorry. I, I've <laughs> used this. I've used this metaphor a lot of times to describe a lot of things, but it's only because I think it's a really good way of conveying films and, and projects like this. This film is a screwed up ball of masking tape that just has random shit stuck on it. Just, oh, that would be good. Oh, that that's great as well. And all you're left with is this giant ball of 
stickiness with random shit covering it covering it like none of it's cohesive none of it fits together it's not a it's not a a structure of any kind it's just a mass of stuff that somebody thought was cool but isn't the Terminator uses like sort of a basic soldier psychology on John like tries to get him angry and then goes good you know, anger we can use. Anger is better than despair. And it's like, where did that come from? Yeah. If there had been a bit early in the film where he's like, you know, not only can we activate my learning chip, I actually have a new program subroutine which deals with psychology. If this had actually been written with that in mind from the beginning, that would have been a really good angle as a way of getting a machine to try to analyze the human mind yeah. and the human heart and like have his interpretation of us, like just to sort of elaborate on the learning of the second one. That's a good idea, but instead he just sort of shits this line out and then it never goes back to again. It's another one of those. Well, what the fuck was the point of that? Yeah. Moments? It's, it's so, actually something that's directly contradicted later on. Um, because, um, when he's yeah. talking about him and Kate getting together, uh, and John says it's a little bit more complicated than that. He says, I, I don't have any programming for human pair bonding. Right. If he's got a basic ex- um, programming for psychology, he's got a basic programming of emotions. That's all he needs yeah. to have at least some understanding of how pair bonding works. Yeah, another internal contradiction from the people who bought you the net. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, and that's and just that scene is handled with the subtlety of a brick going through a window as well. I mean, I like the idea of this Terminator, as you say, using psychology. But did you have to spell it out so in such an obvious like? He, there's no sub. They, if it was just played out, okay, John is despairing, and then the Terminator slaps him out of it. He's angry leaves him alone, and then they carry on. That would have been a good scene. But the fact that it's like, just in case the audience has no idea what's going on here, anger is more useful than despair. Like, none of us don't already know that. Like, it's just, again, treating the audience like morons. And also, later on when John pulls the stunt with the pistol and goes to kill him, uh, puts it to his temple, instead of... um, his bluff eliciting the response of go on then which somebody who was using basic reverse psychology in a very fundamental and clumsy way might do what you actually get is a little logic puzzle of based on your perspiration rate and uh pupil dilation i assess that you will not pull the trigger right scientific if john responds to reverse psychology in the way that you just tried to make him do by picking him up by the throat. Frankly, I think he would have pulled the trigger at that point just to be a bastard. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, I would have done. I, 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 yeah, it's a fucking no-win situation. Um, but uh, anyway. So this is shortly after... Um, Scott is in the back with his... You know how a shit director will get someone to show that they're... Um, they have they they have a subterfuge and they bear ill will to someone in the film by doing the creepy eyes thing. Scott's just doing the whole creepy eyes thing the whole way there. And uh, then punches her, because it's, it's tricks, punches her hand through a cop 
and then kills another guy and then drives the car with her like bloodied hand through the cop because just because because wouldn't it be cool if that's it yeah uh, and i'm assuming this cop is also keeping the accelerator because i'm assuming it's an automatic um depressed to just the right level and wouldn't having a fucking fist pun- punch through his chest immediately kick downwards or kick his foot off the accelerator I remember seeing this sequence in cinema as well, and being shocked that this scene was even in a uh, even in a twelve A. Uh, just like it was so violent and gruesome, but for no purpose other than to go, "Ooh, isn't this cool? She's put her fist through his chest. Isn't that really badass?" No, it's not. It's just dumb. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, the, the bits when the T-1000 kills people in T-2, you go, oh, God, that's so fucking scary. Yeah. That that, would, that, that could happen and that no one would know about it. And just it feels like a really, like, you feel like you've been caught by um, Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter. It's horrible. Yeah. But in this, it's, it's like you're so disconnected from these killings. It's mm. just... It's she's so sloppy and she's so like you know I have the power to have whatever powers I want. She's like Cartman as uh, Bullrock the ninja. Mm. I can see the future too, but better than care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the Terminator says later your children will be important. How? How does he know this? When do they have children? Also, how what? old are their kids going to be at that point? Are they going to follow up? They don't have kids in 2019 in the next one. So what the fuck is he talking about? Because they, they literally never follow up on that line. Because, I mean, basically, the, it's it's all in the same, like, time period. Like, all the sending back in time stuff happens within the same time period, around about the 2029 area. Yeah. Anyway, there, there's a line here. Some things happen that we just can't change. Like, Terminator 3 existing. <laughs> But we can dream, folks. We can dream it out of existence. Can I just interject at this point? Because this is, this is the point in the film that I started getting really, really angry about what was done with Kate. Yeah, okay. Um, because, as you say, she's introduced and she's, um, she's, you know, vaguely resilient and real and responds to things in a way that you would expect a person would. Um, and then it gets to this juncture... And it's revealed that she is going to be attached to John Connor, which mm. I, I think we kind of knew anyway going in. And she goes, ew, cooties. <laughs> yeah. Um, and from Flashing this, back to when she was 10, not 13. From this point on, she has basically become not even walking womb because, like you say, that reference to the children is never, ever followed up on. Mm. She is literally just a ticket. <laughs> there is a speech in which John goes, of course, it's all about your father. It was always to do with him. Now, if I was Kate at that point, I'd be like, well, fine. What am I? Fucking chopped liver. Clearly, she is significant in some way in the future. But no, apparently it's all about daddy and it's all about John. And when it gets to the end and they have the radio and everything and, and people are trying to contact them, who steps up to the radio is it the young lady who's been vaguely competent and, um, and you know, knowing what's happening throughout the film? No, it's idiot boy that's been sat in the corner with his thumb up his ass. Um, 
This lays down the constants and variables um, theme, which actually is about the closest that I can ascribe my my own personal views to of three of the first three differing timeline consistencies of the Terminator films. First one, everything's all a loop. Every time travel incident will always have would be going to be happened and it all plays into itself. Second one, there is no fate but what we make for ourselves and effectively the future is not set and anything can be determined. By, so basically it's, it's fate versus determinism and determinism wins. This third one says some things are always going to happen. We, we can change a few things, but some things are set fixed points. And that kind of feels like it makes the most sense if we're going to look at multiple dimensions there would be certain fixed points to keep a certain order within the timelines i mean we're going to get like super meta here but let's just say that this one works however it does shit all over the first two specifically the second one um because it the whole no fate no it's totally fate no favor, but we make for ourselves. No, there's just there's, there's fate, okay? Because basically, whatever variables there are, you're just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, huh? <laughs> the Titanic. Um, and, and basically, Judgment Day is always going to happen. Now, when the Terminator, sorry, when Arnold Schwarzenegger tells False John, uh, "You die in the future. Who kills me? I do." That, my friend, is a variable. Because he's now possessed of the information that you got close to me because I look like your old Uncle Terminator. Um, that suddenly becomes a case of, well, as soon as I see you fucking coming, I am going to whip out the old phase plasma rifle with a 40-watt range. That shit ain't happening anymore. And yet they're talking about it as if he's always going to die. Okay, basically... Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator can talk about this as though it has happened. That's fine. Fourth dimensionally, as far as he's concerned, it has happened. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. And John needs to pick up on that shit. But he doesn't, because he's thick, and so are the writers. Anyway, when he calls him a robot, he goes, Cybernetic organism. Oh, I'm sorry. You hurt my robot feelings. I mean, my cybernetic organism feelings. <sighs> Just a shit line. Um... So yeah, then they go to this utterly ridiculous military installation, which actually kind of, the thing that this this last quarter most reminds me of is actually the Resident Evil games. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually really like the, the earlier Resident Evil games. I mean, they got shit, but uh, especially six. But um, the, it feels like now you're at the resident, the, the uh, installation, you have to get on the cable car, go across to the other place, go through the door, go through the thing, kill the tyrant, and then go through there. And then that triggers the final scenario whereby everything blows up. It's fucking Resident Evil! Brewster sees his daughter die and is a bit perturbed. Look at the expression on his face when he sees, the, when he sees Trix turn up pretending to be Kate and get shot dead by Arnold Schwarzenegger. He goes... Uh, uh, as if he asked for um, a jambalaya without uh, cayenne pepper and they're just bringing him a jambalaya and he can see that there's cayenne pepper on it. He's like, well, I told you I'm allergic to jambalaya with cayenne pepper. Take it back. Shortly after that, he gets shot dead and Kate, Claire Dane's like, oh no, no, dad, they're dying. I mean, she's, she's over-egging the pudding a bit because she has a terrible director who doesn't know when to tell her to rein it in. But... It's at least a reaction. 
And then Schwarzenegger like throws her down and uh, tricks down an elevator shaft and goes, she'll be back. Audience roars with laughter. So then the premise gets laid down that Skynet kills itself. As in, it basically, or sort of like it kills America. Like it gets into the, our American civilian internet, right? And it launches all the missiles, right? It got into dorm rooms and shit and it launched all the missiles. Okay. What about the rest of the world? In the original chronology, it launched missiles at Russia, knowing that the Russian countermeasures, the Russian bombs, are what kills America, in the original timeline at least. So in this new timeline, it kills America. But that means that Europe, Asia, Africa, and I'm going to go ahead and say South America and Australia are fine. Probably not Australia because you get Mad Max. But everywhere else... (laughs) is fine by these new rules because it's dug into the American military complex and it shoots, it it fires these missiles short range across America. That's what they say. Yeah. That's not the imagery that you get at the end though. And he does say that um, in in his little narration bit that they launch. Oh no, you're, you're, you're way up in the air and you can see them like impacting all over America. Yeah. They're they're not, it's not far out enough for them to be showing you the like spiraling all the way across around the world. Oh, okay. I pay close attention to that. Okay. I I think I was chewing my own hand off by that. What were you going to say, Josh? I was just going to say, yeah, no, uh, the, the missiles only hit America, and for th- as we all know, America is the world. Yeah, no, that's that's the biggest problem I had with this ending is that the implication is, well, with America down, the rest of the world is just going to just give <laughs> up, just fall over and give up. Oh well, America's done. Like Europe as a collective is more powerful than America. Like maybe individually we're not, but as a collective we are. Are more powerful than America. So the idea that, like, well, okay, well, the most powerful country in the world is done. We might as well just put down all our guns and surrender to our robot masters. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. Like the worst, the worst thing that would come about from America for for the rest of the world from America just disappearing is that it would destroy the economy for decades. Like that would be a huge problem. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like we're gonna. It's not post-apocalyptic. We're not. We're not in the dark ages. We've just got to really, you know, worry about what we spend our money on for a few hundred years. Like that's that, that's, what, that's what T four should have been. Not Terminator Four <laughs> Salvation. Terminator Four: The Collapse of the Dow Jones. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, basically, this could have been dispelled with just a few shots of people in China looking up at the sky and seeing the oncoming missiles, people in Russia, people in England, people in Bangladesh. Just give us an idea that this is affecting the world. But no, they pull out all the fucking Michael Bay imagery of blue skies and farms and American shit. And it's, it's, it's a really kind of sad, lovely, beautifully shot scene. But when you stop and think about it, it's just disgusting. Yeah what they're actually basically saying, oh, fuck the rest of the world. Also, since they've specifically um, talked about Skynet being software and being incorporated into the internet, and that's how it manages... China doesn't even have the fucking internet! Well, yes, it does. But there are... the same internet. There are places out... That's a good point, actually. China's firewalls would probably keep it out. 
But there uh, are so basically, it's the it's in. Don't have the internet. Yes, Kazakhstan. It's in the civilian internet, but not the Chinese internet. What about the president's internet? Oh, the president's internet's fine. Brilliant. <laughs> We've got uh, Bruce Willis guarding that one. Can you take me to the deep web? Follow me. <laughs> um, right, before this scene, by the way, we get the worst Terminator fight ever. The bit in the toilets. This is the bit where Trix turns into a fucking millennial rubber red thing. Is it just me? Or is it like people like, covered in red burgundy pleather? Look the worst, yeah. In when they're being flung around for millennial rubber, it's this and Daredevil, basically. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's a repulsively tedious, shitty scene. And then there's that bit where like she like he grabs her from behind and she wraps her legs around his waist and then like wraps her arms around his waist and then turns her head around and her boobs as well. Why would she need to turn her boobs at all? You know, since she appears to have complete unilateral control over every aspect of her body. Then there's a bit where she reprograms him after kicking his head off. At, like She reprograms him, but she doesn't put his head back on. She just sort of leaves it, knowing that he's going to put it on, like fucking, oh, Queen Momby in um, <laughs> Return to Oz. Uh, and then he turns up, and he's staggering towards John. He's like, John, I am about to come and hit you. And it reminds me of the brilliant episode of Red Dwarf. I'm trying to reload! Someone get behind me! I, I'm gonna come round behind you now, sir. Okay, Crichton, take me by surprise! I'm coming round behind you to take you by surprise, sir. Get on with it! Surprise me! You may get an unpleasant sensation of chloroform. Don't be alarmed! Surprise me now! Here comes my surprise, sir! <laughs> it's really awkward, and you don't want comparisons with Crichton when you've got the Terminator knocking about. And then he turns up with a I think he turns up with a helicopter and smashes into her and says I'm back audience cheers question mark and then like she becomes the sort of the chassis and she's like staggering forward and it's kind of a, a callback to the original Terminator I get it that's fine that's cool and it would have been really fucking cool if John Connor had killed her because or even better if Kate had killed her because basically they needed to be able to protect themselves and that was the point they're stepping up to a world full of Terminators they need to be able to do it without the help from the protector. But he takes his exploding penis out of his own chest and shoves it into her panicking mouth. And you can see her eyes go, as he surrounds it in and then goes, you are terminated. And then it explodes and kills them both. Now it could just be that I'm interpreting that this giant, like phallic thing that he's ramming into her mouth to kill her while she's sort of gushing fluids out of her face is a penis. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and sometimes that certain actors get too many of those cigars. But there's actually very few ways you could have killed the Terminatrix in a way that wouldn't feel a little bit seedy and a little bit um, uh, uncomfortable. Given the evidence that the entire rest of the film presents you, I I don't think you're a million miles off uh, thinking in that direction i i just i i don't see i don't see any other like explanation for why they did that like it it just seems like the kind of thing this creative team would do Mm. so that's it terminator 3 and like I, i think i wanted to end on a stupid shabby moment in the film rather than ending on the bit with the missiles I'm not super angry about the bit with the missiles. I, I, I don't think it's like, you know, that they were saying fuck the rest of the world consciously. I just think that they were so stupid and ignorant that they forgot that the rest of the world outside America exists. Yeah. And they forgot the original chronology about um, 
firing missiles and countermeasures. It's a bit Cold War anyway. And I think they were hoping that their audience was so stupid that they would get caught up in the imagery and wouldn't think about that any further. And I think I got caught up in it too when I left. I was like, oh, that film was terrible, but that ending was quite good. Was it good? And I, I don't know. I, I think I was hoping for a better Terminator film later. It wasn't until I saw it a couple more times. I was like, wow, this film is really fucking rubbish. I remember being disappointed and nothing in the film being good. But I just I was kind of impressed by the ending. And I think that's it's been able to get away with a lot more over the years. I think it got like a 66% um, critic consensus, uh, which is, is way generous for what it actually is. They all saved their hatred for um, Terminator Salvation, which is also shit. But I, I don't think it, Terminator Salvation annoys me and aggravates me and makes me so ill as this does. We'll see, though, shall we? I think I think both films are are awful to a similar degree. I think the kind of awfulness that Terminator Three represents is more reprehensible, because to a certain degree, I, I get the feeling, even though the people creating Salvation are incompetent, they did love the first two films. This film feels like a marketing product. Like it it doesn't have any love for what came before that's true there's no love in this at all yeah i'm not seeing any from anyone uh, and then marco beltrami turns up uh, and I, i've loved beltrami's work in the past i think he did uh, hellboy it's a wonderful theme and he just sort of plods out and then it cuts into like this really shitty fucking record from stained or pod or whatever piece of shit band was knocking about at that point and it was like we've just witnessed the end of the in inverted commas world and you're playing this piece of shit by the time skynet became self-aware it had spread into millions of computer servers across the planet Ordinary computers in office buildings, dorm rooms, everywhere. It was software and cyberspace. There was no system core. It could not be shut down. The attack began at 6.18 p.m., just as he said it would. Judgment Day. The day the human race was nearly destroyed by the weapons they'd built to protect themselves. I should have realized our destiny was never to stop Judgment Day. It was merely to survive it. Together. The Terminator knew. He tried to tell us. But I didn't want to hear it. Maybe the future has been written. I don't know. All I know is what the Terminator taught me. Never stop fighting. And I never will. The battle has just begun. That sequence is why people come out of this film thinking, yeah, wasn't too bad. That was pretty good. Because somehow you can put a cherry on top of a turd cake and make it all better and people will forget. And it works. 
People consider this film to be underrated. And yeah, you know what? Maybe Skynet does destroy the most of the world with American missiles. Or maybe it launches missiles from all these other places. But here's the thing. The meta-narrative is that this film required that to happen. It's only inevitable because they want to keep making films. Illuminati confirmed all they care about is their precious money! James Cameron's third Terminator film was going to close out the series. Can't make any more sequels that way. So the future war has to happen. Not because of any philosophical, metaphysical, or quantum mechanics related reasoning regarding constants and variables, but money. To feed the machine. And so that's Terminator 3, folks. <laughs> Anything else to say on it? Nope. Are we done? Josh, you won't be joining us for Salvation, will you? No, unfortunately. Will you be joining us for Genseus? I am not paying money to see that film. <laughs> I, you know what? After watching this, I thought it actually can't be worse than this. You said earlier, Josh, that it's like a fan film. Yeah. Didn't you? It looks like that. A fan film is still better than this anti-fan film. Yeah, exactly. That 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 is true. This this is a boardroom movie. At least a fan film has some modicum of respect for what came before. We shall see, knock on wood. Um but yeah, I mean there, there's a, there's a tiny kernel of hope that it can be not terrible. Let's hope. Anyway, um Thank you, Josh, very much for coming with us through two wonderful movies and one fucking awful one. I was worried that this episode would be very bitter and just me bitching and moaning about it. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you kind of joined in. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to like batter you and say, look, hate it as much as I do. I, I hate feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm oppressively trying to make people hate things. If anything, I'm just trying to express to you folks the reasons why I hate things. I don't, yeah. You don't have to join me in it, but um, I think, like I said, that there, there are some surreptitious ways this film has been able to get away with it for many years. Yeah. And now I think it's, it, time is now ripe for people to really assess it for what it is. So I, uh, this, this podcast will stand as reference quality material. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, actually, because th this is something I've been trying to um, uh, sort of add on to any comments about things that I'm not keen on, that if anybody really does get something of quality out of this, and if anybody does see things in this that, that we don't see, that's great. That's a really good thing. I'm not about to take away from anybody that they got something fantastic out of this that I didn't. You know, more power to you. But, dear God, there was so much wrong. If there was anything good in this, I missed it entirely. <laughs> I, I think plenty of people just went to the movies to have fun and did have fun. So, mm. what? Well, yeah. It, in it, fact, a, a shiny gold piece to anybody who can link this in with my earlier theories of shadow and anima and animus and all the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> Disassemble at your leisure, folks. <laughs> We couldn't find anything apart from the diseased rantings of these imbeciles writing it. <sighs> anyway, um, that'll, that'll do. That'll do. Next week, Terminator Salvation. God help us. <laughs> thank you very much, Josh, for coming on once again. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And come with come me, with me if you want, if you want to live. To live.
And if he believed that, he also believed there are Richard Simmons Jr. running around. <laughs>